Hey, this is Mike Ayala. I'm all about helping people find financial freedom. And one of the best and fastest ways to grow your wealth and achieve financial freedom is through real estate investing. I know, I've done it, I'm still doing it. Real estate investing is a key component to accelerating my earnings. And I wanna share my knowledge and experience with you through my new real estate accelerator program. This is a one-time only program that puts you in the virtual room with me and an awesome small group of investors with one goal in mind, financial freedom through real estate investments. I'll demystify the complicated world of real estate investing to help you identify money-making opportunities and create profitable new income sources. This course is designed to help guide you to success with clear instruction, direct takeaways, and honest answers to your questions. We'll chart a path to your success in real estate investing together. Anyone from the novice to the seasoned investor can profit from my experience to achieve their investment goals. The nine-week course kicks off this January. Sign up now at earnwithrealestate.com. That's earnwithrealestate.com. Let's do this together. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a special episode that I have been super excited to bring to you. Darius Marchesade is a guest who I've been wanting to have on for a while. I first met him at a GoBundance Champions event uh, a couple years ago. It was an event where I actually was able to share my eulogy, which was life-changing. And there's an episode, uh, you may have already heard it, uh, where I share that with you guys. But that's where I had met Darius and he uh, was there you know, sharing the principles of his book, The Core Value Equation. And, you know, part of what Darius does, he helps companies develop core values in a solid culture that they can scale efficiently and quickly. His book and strategies have been called Essential Roadmaps for Leaders in Every Industry. And he's just a values and a, and a culture expert. And along those lines, like Darius, when I had first met him, he had just had a major exit and was just kind of looking at what the next phase of his life was about and wrote this core values equation. And he was actually talking to the GoBundance champions about how do we implement this in our family lives and not just our organizations. But in this episode, we get into, you know, really, I asked him the question, uh, you know, with the great resignation and all the changes that we've been having. And it seems like there's, there's this churning going on in corporate America. And his take is, and I won't spoil it, I'll, let, um, I'll save the details, but his take is basically that in the next 10 to 15 years, the only thing that's going to separate uh, businesses with, you know, we've got this tech revolution and and employees being replaced and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that's going to separate the winners from the losers is how we live by our values. And his way of presenting it is completely different. This isn't a poster on the wall. This isn't a rah-rah session. He teaches us in that book, like how to really implement this. And what's even more exciting, and he gets into this on the show, he's um, now started a mastermind about how to make yourself redundant in the business. I got to ask him the question, how do we emotionally prepare for that? And I loved what he said, which I'll let him go into the details of this, but basically whatever your plan is for the business, um, whether it's exiting or, or scaling or, or you know, staying in the business, the outcome and the system and the community and the access to experts, it's all the same thing, no matter what your desired outcome is with your business. So anyway, without delay, let's get into the show. Darius Marchesade, uh, he's going to blow you guys away. So look forward to it. Darius, thank you for being on the show, brother. Ah, Mike, here we are, my friend. I'm so pumped. Yeah, it's going to be so good. Um, I, I remember the first time I met you, uh, we were at a, a GoBundance Champions event, and I was just so inspired by your story and, and just watching, you know, number one, hearing what you did then, but also watching how this has progressed. You're, you're just a light to the world, man. It's, a, um, it's just awesome to have you on the show. Well, the pleasure is all mine. I'm excited to be here. Okay, let's jump into the question. So if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Oh, man, depends on how we define success. Um, but, um, you know, I would say the, the biggest game changer for me was really getting clear on, on uh, how to leverage values uh, to, to become a decision making tool. And, uh, and, and that, you know, that, that's been, that's been the biggest earth shattering, you know, thing that's happened to me over the past decade plus, 
um, that's that's really affected my ability to grow my businesses, to become successful, to align my interests or my beliefs around what I wanted, how I want to spend my time, and then and then to go and act on it. Um, so that's if I was to give one thing credit, that's what I would give probably the most credit to. That, well, there's another. I got okay. another one. Yeah, the, marrying well, like like it like. Dude, I'm telling you honestly, like like I got lucky. I met well. I was smart and I got lucky. I, I married someone that I knew would be able to, to take a, a bunch of punches in the face from my business life and be, and be supportive of, of, of me when I was taking those punches. So, um, my wife's been legit. She's, she's a badass and she's, she's a stud. And like, I've seen a lot of people that, and I think I saw you post something around the fact that's like, around people picking their, their, their number two, right. Or like, you know, that you want to see a successful woman or man, you like see who they're married to. Yeah. Like I, like I, I crushed that. Like my wife's like, like in a lot of ways I married way outside of my ability. I love that. You know, it's interesting. There, there's a recurring theme. I heard Naval Ravikant say this too, like, you know, and he's one of the most genius prolific guys out there. And he's talking about, you know, the most important decision you can make is your spouse. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, because let's just say I'm out there like getting after it. And then and, like my wife and I are not aligned and, and for whatever way, like not parenting the, the same way, different set of values around what's important. Let's, I have friends who were like going bankrupt and their wives are sitting there like spending money, like, like it's going out of style while they're going bankrupt. Right. I'm like, like, so I, I think that alignment with spouse, with a life partner, you know, wh whoever you're choosing to spend your life with, I think it's really important. And um, I was pretty strategic about it. I'm going to be honest. Like when I was, I was pretty, I've always been mature for my age. And I, I met my wife next year will be August of this year, less than a year from now will be the 20th year, uh, 20 years since I met my wife and I'm young, I'm 43 years old. So I was 24 when I met my wife and I was like, I had like a checklist. I'm like, all right, how does she deal with adversity? I, I'm like doing like literally like doing stuff that I, I don't think any 24 year old now just looking at things the way I was, but it was like, how is she going to, how she spend money? Like, like, I, like, like I was thinking about like someone two decades older than me was thinking about it. And, and, and I, and I got it right, you know, and, and I'll tell you like my first business I had imploded hard in 07. It was a subprime mortgage lender. And my wife stepped up big time. Now, what I didn't mention was when I met my wife, she had just got done spending one year basically doing hospice care for her grandmother. Mm. And she was 25 years old when she did that. And she was the one person her whole family depended on to go and take care of her dying grandmother. And so, and I remember thinking, I'm like, that's like, that's a solid person, you know, that would do something like that. And, and so I knew she had it in her to, to deal with adversity in, in a way that I respected, like this before I even got to know her, mm -hmm. but I, that was, that was like the day I met her, I, I learned that about her. And I remember thinking, oh, check, this person is like, has high character and deals with adversity, like in, in, the, in a way that were other people depend on her. And, and lo and behold, when I got crushed, my, my business went from a hundred, my, my business was number 40 in the Inc 500. Wow. Like number 40 out of, or 5,000, sorry. Wow. So like, like higher up than 4,960 other companies. Jeez. And it went, and when I went to that conference in 07, I joked that I was the 40 of the fastest shrinking company in the United States. Cause I, I, <laughs> I went from 150 employees to 10 employees in 90 days. Wow. Um, and I was 28, you know? I was like some young CEO that had built this badass company that just got crushed. And my, and, and dude, I did not handle it that well. And my wife was like a rock. And so, yeah, if I had to say the two things and, and that kind of goes back to values too, right? Like our values are very much aligned. So it's I chose well, and I've been rewarded for it and I'm grateful for that. It's so powerful, man. And um, you know, there's a, there's a few threads there. So Karen and I got married early. We've been married for 22 years. It'll be 23 this upcoming year. I got married. At, I was 20. She was 19. And by the way, my first company was on the Inc. Fastest growing companies in America in 2009. Although I was number like 2497, not number 40. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting because I can look backwards so many times. And in, in 07, we had a, a large uh, gold mine that we were doing a lot of work for that went bankrupt. Our guys showed up one morning and there was literally chains on the, on the gate. 
And these guys owed us about, you know, $400,000, which was a lot of money for me at that point in time. And, and, you know, we're coming into, you know, the early beginnings of a downturn and everything else. And I remember on this thread of, you know, making sure that we've got a, a I, I was in a rough place, man. And I was working, you know, a ton of hours trying to save the business. And um, it was like Christmas time and we're laying off like 30 people like a week before Christmas. And I remember coming home one day and I remember, you know, my wife grabs me and she's like, Hey, you know, you really need to take care of yourself. You're not yourself. And um, I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, I'm getting a little bit, uh, I'm obviously frustrated. And, you know, she looked at me and uh, it was almost like she kind of slapped me and she's like, what are they going to do? Well, and I started saying, I'm like, you know, we could lose everything. Like I could literally go bankrupt. We could lose our house. And she looked at me and she was like, she didn't actually slap me, but it felt like a slap. And she said, what are they going to do? Take our kids, like take our marriage. And I was like, man, it was one of those moments for me that just kind of jerked me out of a really dark place. And so I can totally resonate with what you're saying about having a, you know, an amazing woman. And she's really great when we're at the top and she's really great when we're at the bottom. And that's the thing that, you know, I'm convinced of of life is we're going to have our ups and downs and having somebody that can ride those with you. I jokingly always say that she married me for my money. Um, I didn't have shit when we started. Right. So, yeah, we, we have that in common. I was like, I was like, had roommates in San Francisco and like, like barely could do anything, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's important, you know, and I, and I see a lot of people make that mistake where they, 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 they don't marry for like, they're, they're married out of infatuation and lust and, you know, vanity and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's not going to go. I'm like, that's going to not going to end well at all. And then, you know, it's like, like that, that gets old quick, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a sugar high, you know, it's like, yeah, listen, you got to be physically attracted to the person and, and that's important, but, but there's, there's a ton of other shit that gets, that's, that's super, that like when you, when you're in it and you're dealing with it, it's like, look, there's gotta be a lot of substance there or else that that's not a good partnership. And same whether business partnership or marriage or anything, it's like substance is where that's where the, the mess happens. And that's it, gotta be a lot, there's gotta be a lot of integrity in there to support it. So it's, yeah, I feel you brother. <laughs> You know, I think it's such an important, Karen and I actually have talked about this for years and we, this in 2021, we launched a couples mastermind. We did our first round with uh, five other couples and an entire year together, we had two trips. And um, just because I think that, um, you know, what we're talking about, number one is rare, but number two, even when we find that right spouse, uh, you know, a lot of us are in, we'll get into the mastermind that you're doing later on scaling businesses and stuff, but there's so much, there's so many things out there that we can go do you know, as husbands, as wives, as business owners, going in our own directions, our own masterminds. But that's one thing that Karen, and I really wanted to focus on was growing together as a couple. So um, you've struck a chord in me on this one. That's cool, man. I'd love to learn more about that. Because it's like, that's my wife and I were both really independent. So one of the things that has has probably made our marriage work is like, I could travel a lot. And she was cool with it, you know, and we come back and we just go back to center, you know, but, but that's, that's actually one of my goals for the year is for us to do more stuff together. So love to learn more about that. That's, that's, that's huge. Are you doing that with Mike McCarthy? No, no. Um, you know, I'll probably have Mike come and speak to the group and we've talked about aligning a little bit, you know, potentially, um, within go abundance and, and seeing how that teams up, but we haven't really finalized anything. So that's cool, man. Well, good for you guys. That's that that's, it's, it's huge, man. It's like, you know, there's a saying, I'm a conscious capitalist and I'm a trained in conscious leadership. And there's a saying in conscious leadership, which is, which is with the leadership goes the organization, right? And if you view the husband and wife or the, you know, whatever the, the makeup of the relationship, husband and husband, wife and wife, whatever it is, um, if you view that as a, um, the leaders, you know, with the leadership goes the organization, which is the family, right? And so... And, and you show me, you get, I've, I'm hard pressed to find anyone that has an amazing business life and a really bad family life that, that where that's scalable or sustainable, you know, and for me, it's like, no, man, it's, it's all part of the same organism, you, it's your life, you know, one part can't be getting crushed and the other part flourishing. I've kind of feel like, you know, to David Osborne's point, there's always different gardens, he likes to water and it's like family and wealth and business and, you know, health and all these things, they're all, they're all connected, you know, and they all matter. So that's cool. I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? 
Uh, you know, I've had a couple, you know, I mean, that business blowing up, what I, what I learned in that pro that was a huge setback. Um, you know, another big setback for me was, um, was, was recently exiting my business. You know, I had a successful exit, but I left not on the, like, not in, it wasn't the way I thought I was going to leave. I thought we would like sell the company and I'd go out and have this big parade and it would be amazing. Um, but, you know, I learned there were two different ends to two big chapters of my life. One was the, that first company blowing up and I stuck with it for a couple of years and, and then it ended shutting it down. And so we went out, you know, not as not an absolute loss, but like eh, kind of a loss. And then the next one, you know, was born out of that loss was this huge success with my, my business, the money source. You know, my first company I mentioned was number 45,000. This business, we'd never entered it into it. I wish I had, I don't, because we grew it from 30 to a thousand employees in three years. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like no fucking joke. Like this, this company went from like a small little seven figure company to like nine figures a couple times over um, in a three-year period. So it was it was probably one of the fastest growing companies in the country without question, but my partners were really like private about our revenue and you had to disclose revenue back then on for Inc. So we didn't do it, but um, that one, and, you know, I grew in the, and then I ended up, you know, leaving it because I just wasn't excited. I wasn't happy. I wasn't, in, I was in kind of a, I was in kind of a bad place. Uh, mentally and I just wasn't I was bored really more than anything I built this great thing but I was bored in it and it just wasn't what I thought it would be I climbed you know I always said I want to build a hundred million dollar company and then once I built it it just I don't know I just wasn't excited about it anymore and the learning from both there's learnings from both the and they're the same but I didn't learn it the first time I learned it the second time okay. and what the learning was was that I needed to, to, to give myself some grace, mm. you know, um, and that I, and that I was very critical of myself to the point of being hypercritical, a perfectionist. Um, and, and when things never didn't work out the way I wanted them to, I essentially was abusive to myself, not in a way where I was like, you know, doing anything more than just emotion i was emotionally abusive to myself like not feeling like i had given myself grace to like you know not be perfect and the first time it happened in 07 i spent five years and i called it entrepreneurial purgatory where i was just like struggling really bad 07 8 9 10 11 i, I made literally zero dollars in five years um and then and then and i mean yeah it was and, and the, the lesson there was I'll never do that again. Like, 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 fuck that. Like, yeah. like I'll go find a different business. Cause there's always somewhere where people are being successful. And so I just stuck with it and, and my grit, you know, my perseverance, you know, led to the next win, but like, it, listen, you can't get back five years of your life. Yeah. There's no, unless you're going to be a billionaire or something, I don't think anything's worth five years of your life. Um, and so, and I, and I sure as hell wasn't a billionaire after that. So it was, it wasn't worth, uh, it, it, I was like, I made zero, like it was negative. Um, so those five years, you can't get, you can't get it back. I was, you know, 29 to 34. I can't get back those five years of my life. So I would never, ever, ever give something five years of my life the way I gave those five years away. Um, this time around the learning was, I just gotta be kind to myself and like, like life's as easy as I make it. And and I exited this business. And again, it was, you know, my business partners bought me out of the company. I didn't want to, you know, I was, didn't want to be there anymore. Um, it's a long story, but, but essentially it worked out, you know, financially it was, a, it was a success for, for them and for me. Um, but I was really hard on myself again. And, and over the last, this is two years ago in November when I left and I was on the board for a year. And then I left the board about a year ago and I got ex exited right about then. And I was really hard on myself. And I just kind of had an awakening over those two years that like, you know, it's easy to say you love yourself and it's hard to actually go practice it. Mm -hmm. And my realization was, how, do I really want to spend my life like this where nothing's ever good enough? And I'm, you know, just fighting to prove that I'm worthy of something to some imaginary person, which is me it's probably me and i was like you know what man i'm gonna give myself grace 
and I'm going to go and lean into the things I care about, like my podcasts and my book and this new business I'm starting. And I like, I'm not going to do it with this outcome minded, you know, this, uh, I've had this perspective in the past that, Oh, I need, I need to win mm. or else I shouldn't do it. And I, and a win is I'm famous. A win is I make hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. A win is I'm, everyone wishes they could be my friend. A win is I, I walk down the street and people are like, man, I want to be that guy. And, and so these are all vanity wins, yeah. right? And in the past, like as much as it's probably embarrassing for me to admit it, that is what I secretly wanted. And I, I never said it out loud, but in my head, I was like super competitive. And I'm like, that's what winning looks like to me. Mm. And now winning doesn't look like that to me. Now winning is, am I enjoying it? Am I meeting cool people? Am I learning? Am I, and I was, I cared about that stuff too then, but, 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 but the outcome was different. Uh, am I, are people appreciating the value I'm bringing? Um, am I creating impact in multiples around me because of living a life this way? And am I grateful for what I'm doing? And it took me basically leaving my business, going into a new business that without any intention of that I had in my previous business and bottoming out again, which happened to me about six months ago. Mm. And, and I, I was, uh, you know, hanging out with some, a bunch of, I'm in a CEO forum in San Francisco and, and we, you know, we were, I'll just admit we were eating psychedelics and I, <laughs> and I, you know, not a ton, but a little bit. And I just had this moment where I was like, I saw the same person that, that I'd always been this person that wanted to win in this way that I don't appreciate now. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm 43. I'm not gonna live my life like this. I'm not the next 43 years aren't going to be like the last 40 or the next 43 are going to be better and different. And, and so I, I don't know, man, something broke that night. And from this point forward, I've just been moving in this new direction where it's, it is more about like, am I really like in love with the process of what I'm working on? And, and I'm not going to look at it from like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta beat Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike just bought a deal. I gotta go buy a deal, you know? And that was always coming from this, like that, you know, in Buddhism that there's a, have you ever heard of the, the hungry ghost? Mm -hmm. So when I was on this psychedelic journey with my friends, uh, with these, this peer, peer to peer group, I, I mean, um, they were, and it was a shaman. It was like totally curated. So this was not like us just like in the woods eating mushrooms, uh, <laughs> and, but it was like, it was like very thoughtful. And, and so in the middle of, of doing that, one of my friends, who's like really a impressive person was like, and he's a Buddhist. He's like, I'm talking to your hungry ghost right now, man. And it was this insatiable demon inside of me that's always been there that's like you need more you need more money you need more everything you need more accolades you need more wins you need to be get more credit um and it's insatiable and i i built a business from zero to multiple hundreds of millions of dollars with that perspective in mind and i remember the first million bucks felt the same as the 10 million bucks felt the same as 100 million bucks like i, I i'd hit it and i'd be like what's next and I remember being at a couple hundred million dollars and I was like, billion. And then I, and I just had this moment where I'm like, I bet you when I get to a billion, it'll be 5 billion. Mm -hmm. And I was, and so when I had that moment that night, this is about six months ago, I was like, something's got to give, man. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to live my life like this. So I'm, I've become a changed person and, and I'm looking at life very differently now. Man, that's so powerful. I appreciate you sharing it. Is it so out of that experience, is this where, uh, and we can just dive into this now. I know you're working on a new mastermind, and is that where that came out of, or, or, no, you know, no, I'd been working on that. I had been working on that prior to that. The experience there was, you know, when you could do anything you want, which I'm kind of in a point in my life where I could kind of do, you know, within reason, more or less, kind of whatever I want. You know, you know, I've I've I've, I've had a lot of success in business. Um, that I and in the past I would never I, like even six months ago I didn't feel that way. Nine months ago, if you asked me if I felt like I was successful, I would say I don't. Um, but 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 you know, objectively speaking, I've been pretty successful. Um, and so I was like, well, what do I want to do? I could kind of do anything. I can go start a company. I can go raise money. I could do. I mean, I'm pretty versatile in business. But the one thing that I love is I love entrepreneurs, and I love 
helping, helping entrepreneurs. I love learning and I love helping them scale. So I started doing some advisory work and coaching work with some pretty large companies about 15 months ago. And I, and I quickly that turned into about 10 companies I was doing it with. Um, but, but, but I realized, you know, I like doing it, but it's not, you know, there's only one of me and I'm, you know, kind of like on the clock and felt, felt a little bit like jobish. Yep. Um, and so I was like, yeah, there's no, you know, I don't see the freedom in that. You know, I know this is investing, you know, through freedom. Right. And so I was like, yeah, or investing for freedom, excuse me. And so I was like, yeah, the, the freedom aspect of this seems a little off. Um, and, and, but I'm learning it's cool and I like it. So it's cool for now. Um, and, and the cool thing it is, it gave me a lot of exposure, to a lot of different companies and industries and stuff. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, but, I, but the one thing I realized was I really like, I have a talent for like the actual scale side of business. Mm-hmm. And I had used that and created my own scale system in my, my companies just by being kind of a student of the game and being creative and being strategic. And I realized that so many companies and entrepreneurs don't know how to do this, you know, and, and especially if they're smaller, if you're under a couple hundred employees, it's like, there's no roadmap. There's no roadmap to grow from a 10 to a $50 million company. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's plenty of roadmaps on how to run a billion dollar company. There's not a lot of roadmaps on how do you grow from, you know, 3 million to 30 million. Right. But I have had the unique experience of having grown from zero to, you know, hundreds of millions. And when you, when you're doing that, you're kind of a, you're a different CEO at every level. You're a different entrepreneur at every level or else you don't get to the next level. You don't, you know, it's like a video game. You don't level up, you know? So you got to level up in order to go to the next level. As a person, you got to level up first. Your skill set's got to get better before you actually grow the business. Um, but I built a system for it. And so I decided, so, you know, I'm going to take this to market. I'm going to bring this to entrepreneurs. So I built a system called the scale map method, which is my system on how do you, it's like, what is the 20% of the things that you need to work on to get 80% of the results in your business. And when you do that, two things happen. Number one is you create a lot of scale. The business can grow exponentially, which is what I had done and now what I teach. And number two, which is kind of cool is that let's just say you don't want to grow that much. Well, the, the, the same things you need to build to grow are the same things you need to build to, to take yourself out of the business. Yeah. So you, you make yourself redundant either way. Um, and, the, and by the way, those are the same things you need to do to make your company more valuable if you want to sell it. So they're all the same thing. And so I was like, all right, well, I get behind that because then, now you have optionality. I could do whatever I want in my business or not or sell it or work in it. Like, I, it's just whatever I feel like doing. And so I was like, that is the, like, and like the, the, the complete, like direct expression of freedom. Mm. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this out to the world. So that's what I've been working on. I love it. Hey, this is Mike Ayala and Kara Ayala. Kara, I don't want to brag or anything, but I definitely label us as a high performing couple. Well, I, I wouldn't object to that. What I mean is we're aligned. We work together, we achieve together, and we aim high in everything that we do. And we succeed together because we know how to support each other to make sure we reach those goals. Yeah, in business and in family life. It wasn't always that way, though, but we've grown and we've learned and just reap the rewards of learning to communicate better and working together in a very deep and valuable level. Yeah, and making our partnership thrive as a couple is something that has just accelerated our growth in a ton of ways. And that's why I'm so pumped to share that with other couples through our Next Level Couples Mastermind. Yes, I'm so excited about this because it's another thing that we get to build together and it's something I wish we had for ourselves as a tool to use years ago. We've still got slots open for the Next Level Couples Mastermind, which we designed for high-performing couples who want to get in the room with us and other couples to focus on growth. Growing your relationships, partnership, your wealth, just growing everything by making that bond as strong as it can be. The Mastermind includes a couples mapping and goal-setting retreat in Austin, Texas, and just so much more. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. You can sign up today at nextlevelcouple.com. The event kicks off in January and spots are limited. Hope to see you there. So I have a question for you on that front. Um, I, when I sold my first business in 2014, I've often said it was the best and worst day of my life. And as I've really looked back at that time, it was because I wasn't emotionally prepared for that. So I'm curious with your mastermind. And I love that what you said, you know, no matter what, it's the same outcome, making yourself redundant it's where we want to be anyway, whether it's owning the business and having our freedom or ultimately exiting or just running a highly profitable scaling organization. But you had mentioned something off camera. I, I think maybe it was on camera. You were just talking about the emotional side of it. So how do you, how do you help people get emotionally prepared for that? Cause I wasn't, I lost. Yeah, my- 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like a lot of the people are so early in it. Like, like right now we have about 50, 50 different, 5-0 different companies we're starting to do this with. And so um, we have them come and sign up for our boot camp and we put them through that. And then some of them opt into a, a one-year mastermind with us. And they're also, they're like, the, like there's a spectrum, right? Some of them, maybe like one or two. I got a couple of them that are pretty, they're probably two or three years away from an exit. Uh, but a lot of them are probably seven or eight years away, right? They're, they're like early, they're small still, they're two, $3 million businesses. Um, you know, for me, I, I, my, my perspective is, is you bring, I always tell people there's three things you need for, for scale. You need to be the right system. You need to be in a community of people growing their businesses. So you're, you know, it's a still sharp and still environment. So you can kind of lean on each other and there's some hive, like hive group learning that happens. And the last is access to experts, right? And that's in the mastermind where we bring all three of those things. So we bring you know, this, the system that is brought in through the, the boot camp, and then it's, it's furthered into the mastermind. Um, the community is built as in the mastermind. We do some coaching in there too. Um, but the access to experts is, 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 I think, solves for the last question you have, which is there is nothing that I'm going to teach. It's them getting access to folks that can really help walk them through them. There's people that specialize in that, right? Um, there's groups that you can, you know, like a tiger 21 is a good place to go when, when, you know, if you exit from a company, cause you're around a ton of people that just exited, you know, or exited five, 10 years earlier. So I'm, I'm a person that's like, Hey, listen, like, I don't need to re reinvent the wheel. Like it's hard to leave your business because your identity is tied to your business. You know, I, I had, uh, drinks last night with a friend of mine who he's, his name's Rich Manders, really smart guy. He's a coach. Um, he, asked, he used to do private equity and he exited his company. And he said, look, you know, one of his recommendations, he runs this process called Sparkle, but he says, look, three years before you want to get out of your business, you know, every quarter you start peeling away 10% of your responsibilities. Hmm. And you're, and, and he said, and it's just over time, the team is like, 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 as in like someone else owns it and does it and you're not involved. Yeah. And you just pick what 10% you want to do. And you do it over maybe a quarter, every other quarter. And, and, you know, within one, two years, like you're down to 10%, 20%. And within three years, you're, you're done. Like you, like someone else is doing everything. So you got to be really like uh, in, in, intentional about it. Uh, I, I, I had done that in my business, but to answer your question was, then you leave and you're like, well, you're not the CEO of that company anymore. You're not the person that everyone like wants to come and shake your hand and say hi to you. Or, you know, you're not the person who vendors take out for dinner, you know, like, like you're, you, you don't, um, you don't deserve the accolades that the CEO gets because the value you're bringing is different or not at all. Like, like the reason you get all those things is because you're bringing value to people's lives. And so, um, one of the things that, what, that Rich and I were talking about, he said, look, you got to find somewhere else to bring your value, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I, I do think that there, that, you know, people that are building businesses and entrepreneurs or even executives that are, you know, scaling at high levels within, you know, established companies, the reason we are scaling is because we bring value to the world. Yeah. And, and if I'm going this way, bringing value and all of a sudden, you know, I, that's done, there's no more momentum that way. And I take a hard right. Well, I call that going into the abyss. Yeah. And, and dude, I went into the abyss. Yeah. And, and I was on a, I was on a call this morning and I said, I think when you go into the abyss, you got to do a couple of things. You got to give yourself grace and you have to trust yourself and you have to realize that the past success you had is more than likely indicative of the energy you brought to that or that, that endeavor. Yeah. And now you're just picking a different endeavor to put it into. And you've got to give it time to like turn to have some fruition. So yeah. that's where I'm at in the world right now. I love that you're being so intentional around the mastermind. Cause like when I said that, you know, my exit was the best and worst day of my life. Um, I, I wouldn't say I went into the abyss, but I lost my identity and like, what the hell's next? And I remember one of my mentors said, uh, he said this little phrase that kind of shifted things for me. He said, we grow weary in the waiting season. And I was in this like period of time where I was waiting for the next thing. And I love what you're building in the mastermind because you're taking us through a process. I had an exit that wasn't planned. It kind of came out of nowhere um, and it was good. But if I had had your, like you talk about the system and the community and the access to experts, like that would have been amazing because I just didn't even have anybody to talk to. I didn't even have yeah. any friends that had been through an exit and I wasn't prepared for it mentally, emotionally. That's why I asked the question. 
Um, so I love that you're being intentional around um, creating this community, your mastermind, where you can help us because it's a big deal. I mean, everybody wants to exit and everybody wants their freedom and everybody wants to retire at an early age and all this stuff. Yeah. But when we lose our identity and value, it's it's earth shattering. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's like, I think it's like you want what you can't have until you have it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it has all these pauses. Like, I remember the day I got my check, I was like, I've never cashed a check this size before. This is pretty cool. And I remember I was laying in my pool, like had a couple beers and I was just like, not a worry in the world. And then a week later, it was life was back at normal. My bank account looked a little different, but I, I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, like what's next to your point? Like, you know, there's what, what, what is your mentor? What do you say? There's worry. We grow weary in the waiting season. Yeah, like we grow weary in the waiting series. I had a mentor that said that taught me something because during the waiting series, in the during the waiting season, I hired a coach, hmm. and and I went. I was looking for a coach for a year, and it was the year that I was exiting. I was looking for a coach, and I found this coach who's a stud. His name is Jeff Spencer. He's a he was Lance Armstrong's mindset coach. Wow. Yeah, I love Jeff. He's early 70, 70 years old. Just he was an Olympic uh, Olympian, uh, uh, and like literally the guy was an Olympian in the seventy two Olympics. And then he was Lance Armstrong's coach on the Tour de France and in the Olympics, hmm. right? Or no, in Tour de France. And so Jeff said when I was going through this with Jeff, he's like, he has this quote that I love, which is "Action organizes." Hmm action organizes and i remember him saying it and I, and, I, and that 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 really has been my mantra for for most of 2021 is action organizes so every time i started growing wary during the the waiting season which i've been in the waiting season now for almost 2 years uh and the first year i didn't have that I, I i had my book launch which i just leaned into and that had some success and then i launched coaching which was like you know like just it kept me really busy um, I did realize that I have a chronic distraction problem where I have to chronically be distracted or else I get bored. Um, so that's just, that's a story for another time. But um, 2021, I learned this action organizes statement. And so this time around, I was much more mindful. And, I, and so every time I would grow wary, I'd say, I'd say to myself, Darius, action organizes. And I would just keep doing stuff and being aware that, hey, I don't want to make a mistake but action organizes and I'll try some stuff out. And, and he, and he, he says something else. He goes, look, you just got to be careful not to go into too many cul-de-sacs, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just, I kind of have the visualization of like, Hey, is that a cul-de-sac or is that a real opportunity? Um, all right, let me, let me think about it. And I just kind of took it slow knowing that action organizes. I don't want to go into cul-de-sacs and I want to just be like mindful of like that I'm in this exploratory mode. And the minute I got really comfortable with that, it took me a while, it took me almost nine months, you know, it wasn't probably till I started working with him in, in January and probably September was when I got, was felt feeling really comfortable in my skin and with this mindset that now it's been fun. I'm like, and, and the momentum I'm getting has been, it's been like Jake, J curve, like, like things are going crazy right now. And I'm like, Oh shit, man, action organizes. <laughs> So good. I love the I love the uh, the image of the cul-de-sac because you know as a visionary and I think yeah, probably a lot of my audience relates to this. Like, I got ideas you know a mile a minute and everything else, but the the cul-de-sac uh, that that's a very powerful uh, reframing of it. So I'm curious. You and I met. Um, I think it was I think it was late 2019, and and you were you were speaking to the champions group at Go Abundance, and you I think your book had recently come out, the Core Value Equation. Um, which I want to talk a little bit about, uh, especially the, the time that we're in. But I'm curious how much of the core value equation, I know even that weekend you were talking about, you know, introducing the core values into our families and, and you've got a really unique way of doing that. So how, how much of the core values that you live by or have learned to implement in your businesses drive, because, uh, and I appreciate you being, you know, raw and transparent and vulnerable, but how much of that really comes back to your core values and that being your North star? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. So it's, it's, the, you know, core values are the fundamental beliefs of a person or organization. And so a lot of people, if you ask them if they have core values, they'll say yes. And if you ask them what they are, they'll name one or two and then they'll start to like, you know, think about it. Right. So that's, that's okay. That's normal, but that's not living a life from a high level of intention. 
I mean, I think you should be pretty clear on what your top four or five values are. And then, and then if you want to live with a high level of intention, we start to use that as a filter for decision-making. So for me, my family, we have six core values and they're, you know, I helped create, I created them. Happiness, love, passion, uh, curiosity, creativity, and balance. And what I always tell people is core values are not, are not nirvana. It's not utopia. You know, you have to fight to make these be true. Um, and some, some are more aspirational than others. So for me, it's just always like when I, and you know, when you're out of alignment with your values, but by the way, I give you the the generic names for my core values, the non-generic names for my values are, uh, heart, Bessos, I have the tiger, boom, uh, Cinco and movie night. So that they all represent one of those six values. Um, and so my kids know them. We do them and fam- we just did them yesterday during family meeting. We talk, we talk about them. Well, what core value did we live this week? What core- and then we talk about how and why we did. So core values, if they're the fundamental beliefs, I believe they have the opportunity to become the language of your life, mm-hmm. language of your organization. So I, in my former business, and I think businesses that do a great job of bringing their values to life, the core values become the language of accountability in the company. Then um, my book talks about how do you make that happen? Um, well, a family is just a smaller organization that you don't get to fire your, your kids, you know, or your wife. I mean, I guess you could fire your spouse if you want, but, <laughs> but, but if it's a well-run business, a well-run organization, they're not going to fire each other. Um, but, but yeah, you're not firing your kids and they're, and they're not firing you as their parents, you know, more than likely. So it's ran a little differently, but they're the fundamental beliefs of that organization. And for me, it's just like, I'm either living in them or I'm not. And if I'm at odds with them, then I need to like move back to center. And I move back to that core of making that value true. So I'm always looking at where is there, um, there's a practice we learn in conscious leadership called walk the talk practice. And we'll look at what value are we out of alignment with? And then you just say, well, what am I putting in my calendar this week to make myself go back into alignment and my values? For me, a big one is usually, um, it's almost always balance. I have a hard time. I'm not a very, I'm an all or nothing type of person. So it's pretty hard for me to, to, I'm fighting to be back in balance with balance. Um, and it's just the one that I struggle with the most. Uh, sometimes I'll struggle with happiness. Um, sometimes I struggle with creativity and, and I'll know it. I'm just not feeling like I'm feeling. And, and, and I always say like, when you're living in your, your, your values and working in your talents, you feel energized. So, and when you're out of alignment with them, it, it's tiring. It brings your energy down. And so for me, if I'm feeling tired, normally it's, I'm usually out of alignment with either my values or my talents or both. So I just kind of pretty introspective about it. And for me, it's just something where I'm like, this is worth uh, doing because I feel great when it's happening. And, and core values are the fundamental beliefs of your life. And they can be the language of accountability. And for me, it's just like, that's it. Those are just givens. And now it's just a matter of having that discipline of practice around it where I just do it consistently. And it's like, it's as, it's as normal this is kind of gratuitous, but it's like, this is as normal as going to the bathroom for me, man. Like mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking in, in, in values language and I'm talking in values language and I'm, I'm filtering in values language. And it's like going and have lunch. Like today I'm going to have lunch when we get off this call and then I'll, you know, like value stuff will pop up and that's just how I make decisions. So yeah. it's, it's, but it took time to get there. Yeah. And I love the way that you've incorporated it into the family too. That was one thing that, you know, you made it fun for the kids and that's, you know, the, the names, it's not just, you know, some poster on the wall, which is, you know, where Cinco and, and all that stuff came in. So I'm curious, um, especially in this day and age, and, and I asked you this, you know, I said, I wanted to touch on this. We're, we're in such a transition after what's happened in the last, you know, year to two years. And you're obviously um, an expert when it comes to this is so question number one is, um, part of scaling and making yourself redundant in the business is obviously aligning the core values in that organization. But when we're talking about, um, and I'm just curious about your overall thoughts on this, when we're talking about the great resignation, and I feel like we're in this season, I don't know if you've been experiencing this, but I feel like there's this huge turning and there's something going on out there right now. Like people are just, I don't know if it's because we've gone through so much trauma and change and people are finally anchoring into it or what, but I feel like people are just uneasy, nervous, um, they're just looking for change and everything else. So how, I guess, how important it, as a leader of an organization, how is it, how, how important is it that we connect with the core values and, and our people at this point in time? Yeah. You know, I, I, you're, I mean, you're talking to someone that's about as, you know, I mean, here's my book, right. I wrote a book called the core value equation, right? So 
you're talking to someone that's about as hardcore about core values as, as you possibly could be when it comes to running a business. It's the fundamental beliefs of the personal organization. It's the language of accountability for that organization. So it's a process to make that happen. So my belief is like, it's everything, right? If you have a, a business that's, that's a functional business, if you want to grow it, then I believe you got to like quadruple down on your values. Um, the reason I say that is that I think that two things are happening in this world at a, at a faster pace every day than the day before, which is number one is that technology is becoming more commoditized. And number two, that a result of technology becoming more commoditized is you have a, a, a velocity in which things are moving faster and easier with less human, uh, with, with less human need in the business. So what, so what that means is productivity increases by employee. There's things are more automated price becomes commoditized when that happens. So if I'm a CEO and I know that I don't need it, my, like essentially my, the human craftsmanship is, is elements of that are being essentially automated. Um, I have the same access to technology as my competitors do, which becomes more and more uh, uh, aligned every day. It's very hard to differentiate myself by technology. Yeah. Well, and if that's happening, if those two things I just said are happening industry-wide in every single industry, more or less, and price becomes commoditized, well, then what separates my business from the one across the street? Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. It's not tech. It's not my product, more than likely. It's not my technology. It's not my product. It's not my price. So what's your differentiating value proposition? It's people and the way they design their core values and live around them. Right. It's, it's, it's the people and the way that they work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my belief is, is in the next 10 years, this is the first inning of a full baseball game where maybe they haven't even sang the national anthem yet. And people, people have just become awakened to the fact that like, there's all these businesses not being run the way I'm talking about. They're not ran with, with the people in mind. They're ran, ran based off of systems and kind of this old school way of thinking about business and my answer is those companies are going to get freaking crushed. Mm. They're going to become as redundant or as blockbuster video, you know, like just they're going to get put out for pasture. And the reason is, is that the different value proposition will be the people, will be the values of the organization and how aligned you can get the organization around those values to create more of an engaged workforce. So they create more value uh, on a per unit basis than the, than their competition. And that's, all in the gray and that's all in the ambiguous and it's like and the only way i know how to do it is by getting people to speak a common language and to align them around values and when you do that it removes all this friction from the system and there's a velocity of productivity that that increases and i just can outperform the guy next to me because we all have the same tech and but i'm hiring people that believe what i believe and you know you get this synergistic effect when that happens and 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 I'm pretty excited for it because I think the conscious leaders who see this, this great turning you're talking about, I think the turning is around a collective consciousness around values. And I think that's that people feel like they want to be a part of something greater than themselves. And this, and now this language is being put out there for them to go and do it. And you see these, you know, cutting edge um, organizations who are already adopting this. And I think that the velocity of that's going to increase exponentially and the companies that get with the program are they're just going to eat everyone's lunch. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I love it. And you just, I mean, what a great way to kind of wind up. I want to be sensitive of the time. I know you got something coming. So one last question, and then I'll let you, you know, kind of wrap it up and tell me about it. So you have the book, The Core, the core Value Equation. Um, is there a program around that? So, so for, for people that heard what you just said, and they're like, I don't want to be one of those companies that gets my ass handed to me. Um, I want to make, you know, core values and my people centric focus and all that front and center. Obviously they can read the book. Is sure. there, is there, is there more to that process or is this what the mastermind does? Like if I can yeah. get the mind and go through it. Yeah. I'm bringing it into the mastermind. It's, it's an L it's not I've, the mastermind. People know, know that I'm doing it, but it's not been formalized, but it's going to be for people that participate in the mastermind. I'm going to be bringing, I mean, I do it for like big companies. I'm just super expensive. So it's like, you know, it's, it's tough to pay a quarter million bucks for me to come in and help a small company do something like this. So um, yeah, it's in the mastermind. That's where it can be done at scale. So yeah, it's people that, that 
if people want to learn about this stuff, it's like, like if you're running a company and this is one element of it, you know, that's the glue that holds it all together is your, your values, but you gotta have, you still gotta have the right scale system. And I, re- I figured it out when I started doing the advisory work where it was like 15% of what I did was the value stuff, but it was the really important 15%, right? 85% is like, are you in the right scale system? Are you running the business the right way? The core values are the glue that kind of like fills all the, the cracks, you know? So yeah, so I think checking out the mastermind and and really checking out like if, for, I mean, can I, can I plug for people that want to go check it out? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, just for people that are interested, go to DariusClass.com. That's my first name, D-A-R-I-U-S, class, like C-L-A-S-S. So DariusClass.com, check out, check it out. There's a 30 minute training video. If that stuff resonates with you, if you want to check out my book, The Core Value Equation, you can go to therealdarius.com. That's my website. It's all things me. That's therealdarius.com. But yeah, checking out any of those three things, but dariusclass.com is where you can learn more about Scale Map Method, which is the system I'm using around the bootcamp and around the mastermind. And then core values, that's like, you get that once you get in. So that's, that's part of the deal. I love it. And I don't want to overwhelm people with information, but your show, The Greatness Machine, is <laughs> is probably one of the best. And I, I love I love it specifically on YouTube because uh, I just love the way you interact with your guests. So, brother, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your truth and your wisdom. And, you know, from the time I met you, um, I had shared my eulogy and you, you know, shared some intimate stuff about your family and background. And I've just felt a connection to you. And I knew uh, you're, you're someone special and I knew that my audience would, um, you know, probably get a lot of value. So I appreciate you coming on and I know you've got plenty of things you could be doing. So I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Dude, I, I've been looking, I've been wanting to do this for a while because I've seen you doing the show. So yeah, man, we're, we're, we're going to chop it up on my show. I put the link in the chat, so you got to sign up and, wow. uh, and, and for any of the viewers or the listeners, uh, just know that I will be serenading Mike Ayala with some karaoke, which is what I do on all my shows. <laughs> I don't, I don't do a lot of prep for shows, but I feel like I have to mentally and emotionally prepare myself for singing with Darius for the first couple minutes. So yeah, it's all good. I always tell people don't sing, just, just dance. (laughs) Let me do the singing, but yeah, Yeah. man, we'll have some fun. And Hey, listen, much gratitude to you, brother. This has been a pleasure being on the show and uh, glad, glad that we get to hang out. Well, I'm going to do something because I love your book. You gave it to me for free. And so for the first 10 people that text the word values to 480-531-7519, I'm going to give away 10 of your books because I think it's huge and impactful. So, oh man, you're the best. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Thanks brother. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.